One in six kids has gotten some, but not all, of the combined seven vaccine series, a new study out of the University of Montana and published in the journal Pediatrics has found. The series protects young children from a long list of viruses, including pertussis, tetanus, poliovirus, measles, mumps, rubella, and chickenpox. Researchers found that moving across state lines and lacking insurance coverage were some of the biggest barriers to kids completing their immunizations. This is Pulse Check. I'm Megan Messerly. The CDC is investigating a tuberculosis outbreak traced to a bone repair product. Over 30 patients in multiple states have been affected, some with TB meningitis. The manufacturer, Azeo Biologics, recalled the product but had a similar issue in 2021 linked to eight deaths. The outbreak comes as public health agencies grapple with oversight of the complex medical device supply chain to ensure safety and prevent disease transmission during surgeries. A new poll conducted by the research group NORC on behalf of the nonprofit Mental Health Treatment and Research Institute found that nearly three in five patients who sought mental health or substance use disorder treatment failed to receive it on at least one occasion between January 2019 and April 2022. Roughly two in five people with employer-sponsored insurance went to out-of-network providers for care, more than double the rate for physical health. And, relatedly, President Biden recently announced a proposal to require health insurers to cover mental health care at the same level as physical health care, aiming to strengthen parity between the two. Ben Leonard is here to explain the proposal's details and what it could mean for mental health care access. Thanks so much for having me. So Biden administration officials are accusing insurers of failing to comply with the 2008 law requiring parity between mental and physical health care. They have proposed new rules that would ensure that insurers pay their share of the costs of psychological treatment. Can you walk us through this proposal and what it aims to change? Yeah, so we'll start from the 2008 law. This basically established that health plans, health insurers had to provide mental health, substance use treatment, sort of the same level as physical health care and other kinds of health care. And this Biden proposal is a very sweeping rule that's possibly the biggest proposal in mental health that he's proposed so far on his administration, especially in the private market. You know, he's done some things with Medicare 988, but this is probably the most substantial proposal that we've seen from the Biden administration so far. Because it's such a significant expansion of what health insurers have to do under the law, the biggest part of it that the Biden administration announced was that the mandate that insurers essentially have to analyze the outcomes of their coverage to make sure there's equivalent access to mental health care. That could be through prior authorization rates, payment for out-of-network providers, the scope of their provider networks. And then if they're not in line, they would have to take action to get within compliance. There's some ways that health plans can't use prior authorization or other tactics to make it more difficult to access mental health care and substance use treatment. And it broadens the scope a little bit, too, and brings a few more insurers in that have to comply with this 2008 law. So overall, it's a pretty sweeping mental health law that's trying to boost access to care. That's so interesting. So from my understanding, the goal is to enforce the existing 2008 law. And you mentioned insurers would be forced to look at their own data to see, you know, where there is or is not parity. But do we know where insurers have fallen short? So what the Biden administration is arguing is they're trying to address this issue with so-called ghost networks, whereas insurance companies would say that they have all these mental health providers on paper. But when you look at the actual providers, not a lot of them are actually treating patients. So it creates this kind of disparities in access. And there's been a lot of data showing that patients are struggling to get mental health care. 
there was a recent poll that I wrote about in our future polls newsletter that found about three in five patients who tried to get mental health or substance use treatment couldn't get it at least once in the past couple of years. And it was even harder for kids and teens. So the Biden administration is essentially arguing that the industry is evading the requirements in the 2008 law and that this shift to focusing on outcomes will help sort of close that gap. So what are the hurdles here to actually implementing this proposal? You know, should it be finalized? They've pledged the possibility of fines, but it's unclear, you know, when and whether they will resort to them. So there could be potential legal challenges to this as well. Sort of like what we've seen with the Inflation Reduction Act. We could definitely see some insurers pushing back on this, challenging it since it's expanding the scope of the law. Another key question going forward will be how insurers will react. Will they end up raising premiums in response And there are also concerns about the workforce. There's the clear workforce shortage of mental health professionals, and it's unclear if there's enough people to make this work in practice would likely be one of the arguments from the insurer industry. So a number of stumbling blocks that could lead this to fall short of sort of the goals that the administration has set out. And so are lawmakers in Congress on board with this proposal? So we haven't heard too much yet, but it's definitely been an issue that top lawmakers have been looking at. The Senate Finance Committee held a hearing in the past couple of months on trying to boost access to mental health care. Senate Finance Chair Ron Wyden sort of zeroed in on ghost networks and called on the Biden administration and CMS to sort of audit Medicare Advantage provider directories more often. And he called for more audits on that front. So it seems like Democrats will be in support of this. Senate Finance Ranking Member Mike Crapo didn't go quite as far as Wyden in that hearing, but he called for sort of more expanded telehealth coverage and more accurate information from insurers. So I think that could be sort of a preview of what we could see from lawmakers going forward. So what's next on this? When can we expect the rule to be finalized? In a press call, Biden administration officials said they're going to work quickly on this. The rule could be finalized 60 days after it's published in the Federal Register. It's unclear exactly. They declined to give a specific date. It's unclear exactly when it may be finalized, but it seems to be a big priority for the Biden administration. That's for sure. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to walk us through this today, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. We'll be tracking this a lot going forward. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Megan Messerly. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.